HD 107.9 Life FM. James here with you. Uh, great to have your company this evening. Now, I had the opportunity to sit down with Archbishop Philip Wilson on the Thursday of Holy Week, just before Good Friday. Just have a bit of a chat to him about all the things that are kind of going on in the Archdiocese of Adelaide, his reflections on the Australian Catholic Youth Festival, as well as a whole bunch of other things. So sit back, enjoy a very special show here tonight with Archbishop Philip Wilson on ArchD. It's my pleasure to be here with Archbishop Philip. Wilson. It's been so long, Archbishop. It's so great to have you back on the show. Thanks very much. I'm very pleased to have the opportunity to uh, communicate with people through this medium again. Fantastic. That's great. Now, we haven't had a chance to catch up since the Australian Catholic Youth Festival happened at the end of last year. This was in December, so we've had about four months or so since then. Now, you were the person who um, at the at the Archbishop's Conference, you put your hand up to say, yes, Adelaide, we'll do it. It happened. What were your impressions of, of of how it all went. Was it what you wanted, expected? Yes, it was. The consequences of are exactly what I had in mind. The first is I thought it gave us an opportunity at the local level to focus our, our own ministry towards young people and to have an event that would uh, concretise that a bit. I also thought that uh, it would enable us to um, show to the rest of the country about how good we are, mm. how good our systems are, how good the people are and, and skilled involved in this work here. So that was number one. Number two, I thought if we held in Adelaide, that could maximise the number of our local young people who could be involved. Mm. And that's exactly what happened. It did, yeah. Just so many of them came, and that's really, really great. And I, all the reports I got from the bishops and other participants was that the, the festival was really a great success. Mm. It was a terrific time for um, renewal and prayer and deepening of faith and so on. So that was that was wonderful. The other, other point about it is that I thought that it would give us an opportunity to um, have a new impetus in, in our engagement with young people here. So we've identified now all of these young people who were part of it and our responsibility is to make sure that we hold on to them and use every opportunity we have to, to help them to participate and to become more and more actively involved in the life of our church. So what do you think that we need to do do as people who are ministering to young people in the church here in the Archdiocese of Adelaide, what do you think we really need to be doing and focusing on in this time after the festival to really try to make sure that that impact remains and grows? Well, there are two things. The first and the most important is I think that these people having been identified, we need to hang on to them. We need to make sure that uh, our relationship to them given every opportunity to grow and develop and that people uh, helped to not only develop a relationship with our people who are working this field but with one another so that uh, the identifying these people through the festival means that uh, we have big responsibility now to hold on to them yeah and engage with them listen to them and then and then use that experience to plot and plan what we want to do yeah the second thing which I heard, and I, I imagine would be so, was that the people, young people who were there were very deeply impressed and touched by the liturgical celebrations, mm-hmm. uh, prayer and mass and so on. I think that it points out something that I've, I've been concerned about for a while, and that is that I think that we need, uh, in the Archdiocese, to have some specific communities developed that would be able to celebrate the Eucharist in that way that would be attractive to young people, oh, and to others, but, but to young people. That's based on good liturgical principles using sound, good music and so on. As I said, something I've had in mind, I know that uh, the people involved in pastoral planning for our um, New Directions program are talking about that too. So I would hope that within some months that there'll be some concrete decisions taken where where those sorts of liturgical um, 
opportunities will be provided for young people. I think a big challenge that emerges with events like the Australian Catholic Youth Festival and events like World Youth Day is that part of the incredible atmosphere that comes from something like that really does come from the sheer volume of people that are there sharing in it together mm. and and those things like um you know we had a very very uh, wonderful experience on one of the nights where we actually did engage everyone who was there three and a half thousand people in the one room in adoration which a lot of them hadn't actually engaged in before in any way it was incredibly sacred wonderfully spiritual moment sure. but a big part of of what kind of drew people into that space was the volume of people and and having that that sense of mass celebration on mass if you like how do we really get around those particular kind of challenges because young people are always going to be attracted to those really big kind of events what do you think is is sort of the challenges and possible ways that we can work around around that Thing. Well, we just need to recognise what you say, which is true, that the, these sorts of events are very important to young people. I might add to others too, older people as well. Mm. So uh, having taken that into account, we need to plan and work out exactly how we're going to do that. It's no use saying, oh, that was lovely, and then let it go. If it's effective and, and important, then we have to work out the ways, ways in which that can hit the, hit the ground and, and be part of our normal way of doing things. Yeah, yeah. And it is possible. I mean, it is possible for us. So I was saying before, organising these uh, centres where um, liturgy be celebrated in a way which is more open to, to the kind of experience that people had at the festival, well, there's no reason why that can't be allied to having prayer and other activities and so on, uh, especially adoration, uh, in a way that is meaningful to, to the people. Now, it would be very remiss of me to not reference the fact that today, when we are recording this show today, this is actually officially Sarah Moffat's last day as the coordinator for the Catholic Youth Office, and I guess is also the person in charge of ArchD Radio as well as a result of that. Now, um, when Sarah came into the role uh, seven years ago, it was now, um, you had known her prior to this. Um, what, how far back does your sort of friendship or professional relationship go? Well, uh, I've known Sarah almost from the moment I entered the life of the Archdiocese in 2001. When I came here and we met, she was working uh, as a national advisor and coordinator for YCW. Mm. And through that, uh, we had some contact with one another and talking about things. And she invited me to go to a few few of their events and, and engage with the people there. So I got to know her well through that. Mm. And and so I was delighted when uh, when she put her hand up to take on this position. Mm. I had every hope and and confidence that uh, it would work well and mm. it has and it has been it's it's been an amazing last seven years there's been so many things that have happened because within i think we're looking back on everything and within i think four months of her beginning was the uh, uh, uh the the canonization date for um saint mary of the cross MacKillop mm. was announced and then all of that went into uh overdrive and then i guess leading into the other events we had the australian catholic youth ministry convention here as well as the youth festival what would you see this is a big a broad question but but what would you see as sarah's legacy in terms of what she kind of leaves behind for youth ministry in adelaide well there'd be two things i'd say about that one is she's not leaving anything behind in a sense because although she's leaving this particular work she's coming to work with me yes. in the pastoral ministry of our archdiocese so her, her influence will still be great, and mm. I would imagine that she would still have some um, role to play in the area of our, our ministry to youth. 
if you do qualify her legacy, you'd say that um, she was able to uh, galvanise young people, mm. organise them, develop relationships, uh, to be engaged in formation, all of which I think has been pretty important for us. Yeah, absolutely. Now... In terms of uh, the week that we're in right now, I mean, this is Holy Week. And again, I'm really thankful that you can take the time to, to spend with us today, right near the end as we lead into into Good Friday tomorrow. Um, I would love um, if you would possibly share with us maybe one particular Easter reflection or Easter story that stands out to you over your, over your life. Sure. Look, uh, uh, one of the things that happened was that uh, when I was 40, I was sent to America to uh, study at University, Catholic University of America, which is in Washington, D.C. On the same campus as that is the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception, this huge church, which is a national, the National Shrine in honour of Our Lady. They have great resources there. It's an enormous place. They would have thousands come there to Mass uh, every weekend. They have uh, fantastic resources for um, music and um, liturgy and all that. A lot of the musicians actually come from the School of Music in the university. Oh, okay, that's interesting. So, so uh, uh, going to the Easter ceremonies there was, was always very touching because uh, everything was done so well uh, and, and the, the, the level of musical involvement was just beautiful, so, so touching. So mm. Those uh, Easter ceremonies are ones that are firmly implanted in my mind. They had the habit there that uh, on Holy Thursday night, uh, they invited priests from all over Washington to come to can celebrate that Mass. See, there are many priests in Washington who aren't in parishes. They're busy working in other things or they're in religious communities and so on. Mm. So at the Holy Thursday night mass, you'd have something like 250 priests uh, celebrating mass with the apostolic wow. minister, the archbishop, and that, that was always wonderful. Followed then by uh, that the, the shrine would uh, provide a dinner for, for the, the priests who were there. So we'd have a nice uh, roast lamb dinner after that. It was very good. And mm. the, uh, the thing that uh, struck me most about it was the fact that uh, it was a real deep experience of the brotherhood that we experience uh, in our priestly life. And there were many like myself that were there from other parts of the world and who had no other connection with all this except that we had one faith and, and we shared in the priesthood. So that, that was, they were experiences that really deeply um, imprinted in my mind. Mm. Uh, the other one I remember is when I was first ordained a priest and uh, 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 we came to the first Easter that I had as a priest and the parish priest said to me uh, during Lent, now I want you to run the Easter Vigil. So there I was, just a newly ordained priest and, and went through the Easter Vigil, which is very touching. Uh, to, to be the, the celebrant of that for the first time was really an extraordinary moment. Mm. We can't really avoid talking about this um, terrible event that's just happened in the last couple of days for all people of faith in the world. Did you want to reflect at all about this event that's so, occurred in Brussels? Uh, which is so much like all the others that, mm. that go on. Innocent people killed, uh, injured, families uh, uh, left bereaved and, and suffering, communities confused, terrible, terrible experiences. Yes, I, I think it is... It, is a time to, to call people to pray, to pray for the people who were killed and for their families, to pray for the injured, to pray for the communities that are being torn apart. But also, and this is something Pope Francis said yesterday, we need to pray for the people who do this. You have to ask the Lord to change their hearts, to get them to step away from uh, d doing these kinds of things uh, and to find other pathways to deal with what they might consider to be the injustices that are part of their lives. And, and we need to be to pray for ourselves that we'll be strong enough 
to do what we need to do to uh, to bring this sort of thing to an end. I heard this profound story once that has stuck with me over many, many years, and it was in regards to one of these terrible stories that you hear that happens over in America, you know, with this um, sort of young person who um, gets a gun, goes out and sort of mm. goes on these sort of terrible rampages. And, and this community lost a lot of their own children and people that were important to them in their community and, and families. The community got together to try and comfort the people, the families of those people who lost children and people that were close to them. The first people that this community went to were the parents of the of the young man that actually perpetrated the crime mm. because of course after all this had happened he'd been you know shot by police and uh he had also lost his life they recognized first and foremost that their loss um must have been not not greater but just had a, a different level of of grief and complexity they had to deal with the fact that their child had, had been killed but they also had to deal with the fact that their child had had taken the lives of so many others as well i thought that was very very profound look uh, there have been a number of incidences in America where uh, people who've been involved in these mass shootings were Christians, not doing the shooting but being the victims and again and again uh, they witnessed to their faith by by offering um, their forgiveness to the people who do these things. Yeah. Uh, and I think that and I think what you say about moving towards the parents of this person who was actually a perpetrator, they're the important things that can be done. But I think that uh, we we need to pray to be to be strengthened by the Lord to do the things that, that are necessary, because if we simply made the decisions on what we know or what skills we have, it, it wouldn't be possible to do all that. Do you have much contact with people in the Muslim community? Because I can only imagine. Although you hear stories in the news, these anecdotal kind of stories, but I can only I can't even imagine what um, terrible pain and grief they must be going through as a faith community, being so misrepresented by these people who, who who claim their faith as a weapon in a way. Mm. Yes, we do have community. We have uh, good relationships with the Muslim community here. Yeah, I, I think that uh, they're, they're in a very difficult position. And uh, it, it's hard for us, I think, to step inside the middle of all that and, and to know what they're feeling. So our, our response can only be that we, that we offer to stand in solidarity with them and we, our doors are open for dialogue with them and... and uh, you know, offering our care and support to them. But I, I, I think we also have a responsibility that we have to do all we can in our wider community to uh, overcome the prejudicial views that people might express or prejudicial behaviours that people might uh, might carry out too mm. and say that's, that's not right and it's not fair to good, God-fearing, law-abiding citizens. Yeah. I think we see, and especially, you know, there's a lot going on in the um, presidential elections at the moment over what's not an election yet, but they're in that incredibly long campaign period. But there's a lot of preaching about Christian principles, but intolerance seems to be part of that platform. They seem to be coupled together. What do you make of that? Well, I would say that it's the same struggle that we've had from the very beginning. When Jesus was preaching the gospel and all that sort of thing, not everybody responded wholeheartedly to that too. So taking aboard all that he's taught us is a challenge for all our lives. So that's why uh, you and I have to live by conversion. We can't just sit down and say, oh, well, I'm perfect now. We've got to continue to, to look at what we need to do to change to be more, more like Jesus. And that's, if that's true on the personal level, it's certainly true as well uh, and equally on the communal level too. Yeah. At the present time, if you could unravel the reality of, the, of politics in the United States, then 
um, you'd be a, a very strong wisdom figure. Mm. It, it is a huge mess. It's been wonderful talking to you, Archbishop. Thank you so much for your time, this very busy time, and your wisdom. And it's so great to have you back on. It'll be great to have you back on through the course of the year as Thank well. Thank you. Well, I might take this opportunity to wish everyone who's listening every blessing for the Feast of Easter. And uh, I hope that it's a wonderful time of renewal for them in their faith. Thank you so much. Thank you, Archbishop. Good. And that's the show. Thank you so much to Archbishop Philip Wilson for coming on. We are here every Wednesday night from 9, every Saturday night from 10. Stay tuned to Life of Him for more of your music. Feel free to jump onto our Facebook page. Just go to Facebook, look for RGD Radio, and all the details are there, as well as how to subscribe to our podcast and all that kind of stuff as well. We'll see you in a couple of days. Bye.